0: Welcome to episode 124 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. This is the full interview with Anthony Cappaniti, co-founder of Hashtag Sports. This uncut version has questions we didn't talk about in the 100th episode. But before we get to the interview, Brian's going to give you guys a business or life tip. So what I think is
1: insanely helpful, it takes a little bit of work, but I think everyone should do this, is audit your workday. People think that they're working eight hours, 10 hours, even people that are like, you know, you want to use the word hustle or whatever, working 12 hours, 15 hours, 16 hours. You might be doing shit for eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours, but are you actually accomplishing anything? Are you really getting work accomplished that's impactful? Most likely not. And honestly, from what I've seen, I have my employees do this from time to time. I've done it. I've, I've told friends to do it, people I know. And most people, when they genuinely do a day audit, they realize that they're maybe only have like 40% efficiency, like 50, 60% of the time is either on nonsense tasks or they're not actually doing work which is insane. So if you're working an eight hour day, you're actually only doing stuff for four hours that's impactful, what a waste, right? So people are working 12 hours, 14 hours, stressing themselves out, but only actually putting in six, seven, eight hours of work. What's the point? You could have just put in a full work day, had the rest of your day to yourself if that's what you wanted and be way less stressed, or you can work a real 15 hours, like, I do it, you know, you do it like 12 hours, 14, 15, 16, like actual hours of getting shit done. You're getting stuff which most people would do in four or five days done in one day. It's insanely impactful. So what you need to do, Is you literally need to have a spreadsheet or a piece of paper. And it's hard. There's some apps that do this too, but I like writing it down where literally you write down the time that you start something, you write down what it was, then you move on to the next thing and everything. Like, oh, I went on Facebook and I checked this and you put the time down and you have a timer and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Do it for a week. Add up all the time from stuff that's really like actually impactful, like doing good stuff. Add up the time of stuff that's not impactful or just distracting and then add up the time that like is just responding to people's like emails about like unrelated things that are irrelevant and watch
0: how little time you actually do productive stuff. It's crazy. I 100% agree. So for the freelance and consulting work that I've done, I've written down every single project and every single hour, every single day that I've ever worked. One as a safeguard in case anyone's ever like, what in the world did you actually do for us? I'm like, I can tell you actually every single second. And then two, you're right. You would not believe how hard it is to get four actual hours of client work done. If you're billing those people for that client, my name is on the line. So if I'm saying I'm giving you four hours a day, I'm giving you four actual hours a day. Well, guess what? Once you take out all the bull crap that you deal with on a regular basis, you're like, oh shit, it's noon already. I still gotta get four more hours in here. It is difficult and it really makes you accountable and I think that's the number one thing is you become accountable to your time and the more accountable you are to your time the more you're gonna get done because when you're just browsing on Facebook you're like I could have just gotten 20 minutes of work done there it's and amazing. you start understanding
1: it's amazing how much time people waste in a day and once you realize and you audit yourself and then you change it it is a game changer absolute game changer now time for the interview Anthony, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the 100th episode of the Sports Marketing Huddle.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Absolutely. So Anthony Capaniti is the co-founder of Hashtag Sports. And listen, you have some really interesting and good insights deep into consumer habits in the marketplace. Dive into some of the things that you've seen over 2016 and maybe some of the trends that you're seeing that'll likely track into 2017.
2: Sure. Um, you know, of course, the first thing that comes to mind when you think about sport um, as it relates to linear television and, and viewing of content is sports is consumed live. Um, other than award shows, there there is no other content type um, that's consumed in you know, at that rate, you know, almost, almost 100%. Um, so it, it's it's king in that area. But at the same time, there's, there's shifting media habits, as you alluded to. Um, we know that people are moving from linear television to OTT and we've seen numbers in the big headlines about companies with a couple of initials in their name, um, that are losing subscribers and it's clearly a trend. Um, but when, when you look at that and you see the emergence of new media companies, um, and of course, OTT being a place that people are consuming content there's a couple of things that come to mind. And I find this particularly interesting, um, on a macro level, when you look at demographics, everybody talks about cord cutters. I think something that gets lost in conversation and bucketed in is there's cord cutters and there's actually nevers. Uh, nevers are typically going to be a Gen Zer. Um, well, I like to really bucket in the young millennials and Gen Zers and call them the connected generation um but many of them are never they've actually never had a cable subscription they've never watched linear television in that way um so their mindset is completely different of course and they're a different beast in terms of their consumption habits and that's a problem for large sports uh television networks like an espn i mean you have to reach them in a very different way of course um and the other is looking at some of the demos and and how they're adopting ott and people think oh, well, if somebody's watching um, you know, through live streaming or OTT service, that means automatically a cord cutter. That's actually not true. Um, one demo, for example, if you look at the Hispanic and Latinos who are actually at the top of OTT consumption, 89% of them in the last report that I saw still have um a cable package they're not cord cutting is not really correlated to their actual ott consumption which is interesting
1: do you think that um do you think that the trend is going to accelerate in how many people are cord cutting and shifting where they're consuming media or do you think it's going to kind of be a more linear trend over time
2: uh that's a good question i mean again i think when when you point to hispanic and latinos for example um, and then you couple that with another you know, non-white demographic, um, you know, like, like African-Americans, for example, that's 25% of the overall uh, population. I think the reality is it is shifting. Um, I don't think it's perfectly linear because, again, uh, you have different demos um, in terms of age and race and location. They're not all shifting in the same way. So I think it's going to be a little bit of time before it's, a, it's an all-in shift. And I think that if you're uh, a big, you know, TV network or media company, it, it's really clearly you know how it's shifting, but how you get from A to Z, I don't, I don't think there's one equal solution where you invest your time and your money, um, especially if you have a larger audience, you know, like an ESPN. Um, so ultimately I see it as, I know it's a cop-out, but I think it's somewhere in the middle.
1: Right. I think that's probably more realistic. It's not as bad as people make it out to be, but it's not as good as people want it to be. Uh, Jumping off of that, um, as far as brands are concerned, right, they're trying to figure out like, where are they putting their marketing dollar? Where is the attention going? Where, how are we going to plan our media budgets? And, you know, they're diving into different areas and some are being more conservative and staying on the more linear side, but let's talk about some ways in which brands are reaching these cord cutters or just general consumers, like for example, through influencer programs or other things like that. What are you seeing from that perspective?
2: Uh, definitely. That's it a great question. I mean, the term influencer is thrown around uh, all over the place, of course. Um, but we for sure live in an era of creators, uh, influencers in the purest form. Um, and of course, they disseminate this their, their influence in a variety of different ways. And, and some have specific niches. I mean, it can still be on the street and really, truly more so word to mouth. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, word to mouth. Others are, you know, living in certain messaging apps or Snapchat, for example, and that's that's more dark social. Um, and I think that's a, gr- a great area to look. Um, you know, in terms of dark social, if people aren't familiar with the term specifically, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's simply talking about untrackable referrals, uh, <clears throat> you know, happening across the, these apps, especially messaging apps where you don't have the same type of analytics attached to it, either because it's inside an app and you know, they literally don't, provide that that data um, or something like a messenger app where you can't track it. Adidas is a great example. Um, Adidas is going through an unbelievable resurgence in terms of their pop culture um, relevancy and influence. And one of the ways they've most recently tackled it is it's a very Red Bull-esque approach. Uh, Tapping into influence, going to the streets. They've gone out and created, um, you know, these groups that range anywhere from 200. I think they want them to be as large as 500 where they are getting, the information given to them ahead of time on product drops, inside information, and then they're basically given the keys to the Adidas Kingdom to share it over messaging apps. Um, I think it's brilliant. You obviously lose some control of your brand messaging, but at the end of the day, these football fans are, you know, given the ability to share it truly authentically, which is always, you know, to a certain extent difficult to do when, when you have a brand controlling an influencer program.
0: So Anthony, one thing, one thing we talked about before the podcast was the globalization of sports, and you mentioned that more brands and leagues should collaborate. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Sure. Well, I bring it up because one thing that we do with you know at hashtag Sports in terms of being curators of content every day with our newsletter and our festival that we produce in New York City is we're, we're celebrating the industry, um, especially here in New York City, and. A, what I've been seeing, and I think there's evidence, um, a couple of different key data points that you can turn to, is there's no doubt that the industry is, uh, in terms of the sports industry and the business of sports, it's becoming global. The NBA <clears throat> is the number one sport in China. I heard somebody from the NBA share an interesting anecdote the other day when they said, think of the World Cup in the United States every four years, especially when it's you know clearly not hosted here and it's on a time lapse. People are in the bars at 9 a.m. or off times. It's seems foreign to watch television. They're spilling out of the bars. That's every single day of the week in China to the tune of millions. The Chinese are watching an NBA game that could be you know the Dallas Mavericks versus the Utah Jazz, and it could have no playoff implica- implications. They can't get enough in the NBA. It's by far their biggest market, and to a certain degree, some of the apps there are even superior to, to the apps that we have here. And that, you know, it's kind of, you and the others all rolled into one. Um, so it's clear that the industry is being globalized. And I think ter- what I mean in terms of collaboration is, you know, look at, look at major league baseball being so smart uh, with their early adoption of live streaming and, and creating a business within a business, a tech company, in BAM tech, um, and then the NHL turning to BAM tech to, you know, to run what they're doing on digital and social, um, and then there's even, you know, an equity exchange in there. And then you have ESPN coming in, uh, or via Disney, I'm sorry, taking equity ownership. So the leagues, I think other than the NFL, which is clearly in many ways, number one, domestically, I think it's smart and wise to look to one another and say, Hey, listen, we have these huge outside influences like the premier league coming in and creating fans, um, of a sport, for example, in soccer, that's growing wildly and that threatens to take our, our TV audience or, you know, our audience uh, on, which is emerging via, via live streaming on social platforms away from us as much as us competing against the NFL, you know, or the NBA or vice versa.
0: Well, awesome, Anthony, really appreciate your insight. We're super excited to have you on the 100th episode of the sports marketing huddle. Have an awesome day, my friend.
2: Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank
1: Thanks. you. <laughs>